This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Then my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. As you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bible to Mark chapter 5. We were in Mark 5 last Sunday, and we're continuing in Mark chapter 5 this morning. On Sunday mornings, we've been in a series entitled Miracles of the New Testament, walking through and studying the miracles in the Gospels. Eventually, we'll get to the book of Acts, discovering the patterns and the principles of these miracles so that we can apply them to our lives, so we can see prayers answered, so we can see needs met, so we can walk in God's best. During the Holy Week revival, we learned that healing belongs to us. Say, say that. Say, say healing, healing belongs to me. Jesus, we saw last Sunday during the Holy Week revival, he did all that he did for you and for me. Now, sometimes you might ask someone for a referral and they'll tell you about their doctor and how great he is. Well, there is a doctor that's better than any doctor you or I know, and that is Jesus. He is the great physician. And Hebrews 13, verse 8, tells us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus heals the sick, and Jesus is still healing the sick today in 2023. And my father and I, we learned from Dr. Teal Osborne that what God has done in our lives, he now wants to do through our lives. Last Sunday was Easter. We celebrated the resurrection. Praise, praise God, we're saved. Praise God, most everyone here is saved. But what God has done in our lives, he now wants to do through our lives. And out there in the world, people are lost, they're hurting, they're looking for answers, and we have the answers. But Paul tells us, how will they hear unless someone tells them? And we, we do our best to tell, but we're to be telling it, all of us, we're all to be telling it as we're out and about during the week, so people have the opportunity. Today we come to the second of three miracles that happened in quick succession on the same day. And in all three miracles, Jesus commended the faith of those involved. Number 14, Jesus healing a woman with an issue of blood. The 15th miracle, Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. And the 16th miracle, Jesus healing two blind men. Number one, care enough about people to venture out in faith to see what God will do. Care enough about people to venture out in faith to see what God will do. Mark 5, beginning in verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers, he was an administrator, the local synagogue, one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. Well, why? 
he had a need regarding a child. And so he pleaded earnestly with Jesus, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. Now, like the woman with the issue of blood, we're not told exactly how Jairus had heard, how he knew, but he had heard enough to know that there was this wonderful man walking around named Jesus, and many wonderful things were happening. One of them, the sick, were being healed. And so he said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. So we see in verse 24 that this man, he came to Jesus, he presented his request, and Jesus went with him. And frankly, that's what we so often do not do. We're busy, we have things going on, we have commitments, we have a calendar, this needs to be done, that needs to happen. And so part of being used of God is us stepping out in faith and giving God the opportunity to work. So Jesus went with him. Miracles are the result of action on our part. And this action could be speaking the word of God. This action could be offering to pray or lay hands on someone. This, this, this action could be agreeing with someone in prayer. Or in this case, this action could be offering to go with someone and to pray with them or to pray for someone in need. Miracles are the result of action on our part. And the Bible says Jesus went with them. In our lives, we need to take the time to go. We need to take the time to encourage. We need to take the time to pray. We need to take the time to visit. I was so encouraged, I believe on Monday, a man in the church sent me an email that after church last Sunday on Easter, he and his wife took the time to go visit a man in the church that's fighting the good fight of faith. He's facing a need, a challenge, his body, he's overcoming, he's fighting the good fight of faith. But after church last Sunday, a man in the church and his wife, they, they went, they took the time to go and to spend time with him and to encourage him and to pray with him. You know, that's, that's what we're to do for each other in the Lord. We are to encourage, Paul tells us, one another in the Lord. And we're to stand together and we're to pray together and we're to agree together. We ought not fight the good fight of faith alone, amen? And I was so encouraged by that. So in our lives, we've got to each, you know, so often we think, well, pastor's got to do it or Aaron Wood's got to do it. We're, we're all to be used of God. And the Lord wants to work through us all. There are people that you'll talk to, I'll never talk to. There are situations and needs that people will come to you about and ask you about and looking for an answer, looking for somehow, some way for that to be handled or to be dealt with. They'll come to you, they won't come to me. And if we'll step out in faith, the Lord will work through us all. Every believer, you read Mark 16 for yourself, you'll see that Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe. And if you're saved, we're all believers. And again, what Dr. Teal Osborne told us so long ago is so true. What God has done in your life, he now wants to do through your life. Why don't we say that? Say, say through me. So you got to take the time to go. Got to take the time to pray. Got to take the time to encourage. Got to take the time to visit. To see miracles, you've got to care enough about people to venture out in faith just to see what God will do. 
Now, in the middle of this story, we have another miracle, which we dealt with last Sunday, and that's Jesus healing the woman with the issue of blood. Mark 5, beginning in verse 25, I'm going to read it out of the King James. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had. Praise God for good doctors. But there are some things and some problems that even the best doctor cannot solve. And that's when we need the great physician. She had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind in the crowd and touched his garment. The Berean Standard Bible says in verse 28, for she kept saying. So we learned last Sunday, we don't just say one time. We say, and we keep saying until we have the answer, until we have the victory, until we have the breakthrough. She kept saying, if only I touch his garments, I will be healed. Verse 29, back in the King James, and straightway, immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt. The word is literally she knew. She knew as a fact. She knew as certainty that she had been healed. In her body, that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. The NIV says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now, this is one of the reasons why I've encouraged you to get your own Bible. That's yours. In a translation that you can read, you can understand, you can do your devotional time in, to do your devotional time in during the week, to carry to church, to bring to church with you. Because there are certain things you need to see in the word of God for yourself. And this is one of them. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. That's something you need to underline, need to highlight, you need to see for yourself in your Bible with your own eyes. Healing is the will of God. And Jesus, just as much as he is our savior, he is our healer, he is the great physician, and just as he healed the sick then, he heals the sick today. But we, what we have to do is care enough about people to venture out, to step out in faith, and just see what God will do. And you might say, well, Austin, I, I was somewhere, and I felt led of the Lord, or someone told me about a need, and I, I, I felt the Holy Spirit pushing me and prompting them, prompting me to pray with them. But then I, I wondered, I thought, well, what if God doesn't? Or what if this happens or that happens? You got to go back to Mark chapter 16. Jesus gave them the great commission. They, they went out, and it says the Lord worked with them. So we're not on our own. We're not, we're not alone. May, maybe in life somebody has let you down. The Lord will not let you down. So they went out, and the Lord worked with them, and he confirmed what? He confirmed his word with signs following. So you don't have to worry about what if. He will confirm his word. And we learned last Sunday that this woman, who was so wonderfully healed, she did what we so often see in miracles. She said it 
where she kept saying it. She did it. She received it. Jesus wanted to, he wanted her to tell it. She told it, and she was wonderfully healed. Now, imagine being Jairus, this father. Imagine being Jairus and seeking help from Jesus and seeing this wonderful, wonderful miracle and then being told, Mark 5, 35, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Number two, you have to ignore the naysayers. You have to ignore the naysayers. Mark 5, 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? To get anywhere with God, to see breakthrough, to see victory, to see miracles, you have to learn to ignore the naysayers. And they often speak in religious words that sound so nice. So as I'm not just saying out there in the world you have to ignore negative things. Sometimes among the people of God, you have to ignore negative things. Naysayers often speak in religious lingo. And this is the enemy discouraging you from venturing out in faith just to see what God will do. Doubt and unbelief often speak in religious lingo. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? It sounds caring. It sounds so concerned. It sounds very religious, but it is just negativity. To see miracles and to receive miracles, you have to learn to ignore the naysayers. Number three, ignore the naysayers and speak in faith. Tell your neighbor, say, speak in faith. Speak in faith. Tell your other neighbor, say, speak in faith. Speak in faith. Mark 5, 36, ignoring what they said. Well, he ignored what they said. Now, we, we have ears, but we don't have to listen to everything. And we have ears, but we don't have to let everything be deposited down into our hearts. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. This seems crazy. Don't be afraid, just believe. The American Standard Version says, but Jesus, not heeding the words spoken, not, not listening to, not, not heeding, not, not changing course or changing what he was doing based on those negative words or based on what the naysayer said, Jesus, not heeding the words spoken, said, saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, fear not, only believe. Tell your neighbor, say, fear not, only believe. Tell your other neighbor, say, fear not, only believe. So often Jesus said that with God, all things are possible. And he said on more than one occasion, nothing is impossible for the man or woman who believes God. And when there are naysayers or negative words or discouragement, how can you deal with that? How can you encourage them to go discourage someone else? When they speak negatively, speak positively. Talk about the Lord. Talk about his goodness. Talk about what God is doing. And you may be fighting the fight of faith, believing God for a new victory, but tell them about the last victory. And they'll, sooner or later, they'll get the hint and they'll find someone else to go discourage. And we're, we're again, as Paul said, we are to encourage one another in the Lord. During the Holy Week revival, pastor on Palm Sunday dealt with gifts of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit wills. Paul 
deals with gifts given to the church, administration, or other things. Did you know that, the, that discouragement is not a gift of the Spirit? Discouragement and being negative and critical is not one of the gifts God has given to the church. Now, this is not Bible, but it's true, and you should have learned this growing up. If you don't have something nice to say, just don't say it. And the Bible says, where words are many, sin is not absent. So, so we're to encourage one another in the Lord. Amen. And if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Don't know what to say. Just ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray for them in the Spirit. There, there's enough discouragement. We're to encourage one another in the Lord. To see miracles and to receive miracles, you've got to learn to ignore the naysayers. And I, I say learn because it isn't always easy. And just when you think you're doing a good job ignoring negativity, Satan will bring some, someone along with some negativity and you have to learn and walk through it and learn to ignore the negativity. It's not always easy. Our Heavenly Father wants us to love Him and He wants us to believe Him and His Word. I've given you this example. There'll be times after school, getting in the car, after church, our children ask, Daddy, can we go get ice cream? Daddy, can we go get a milkshake? And I want to be a good father. So my answer is always, yes. Uh, Y'all are afraid to answer me. <laughs> my answer is always, yeah, I don't, you got to ask Jessica, I don't think I have ever said no. But when they ask, you know, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. And I want an ice cream too, so of course I say yes. I wasn't planning to get one, but now I have to because they asked. But when they ask, I say yes. Well, well, how would I feel as a father if as we went or as we were on the way, as we were, were driving there, if, if, they, if I heard them in the back seat, well, I don't think we're really going to go. I, I don't think he's going to keep his word. I, I don't think he's going to honor his word. Well, that's what we do to Father God. And he is good and he is wonderful. Jesus said twice in the Gospels, if we, though we are evil, know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit and give good gifts to those who ask? So we ought to believe God. We ought to believe His Word. We ought not doubt or get negative. Jesus said to Jairus, and Jesus says to us in His Word, His Holy Written Word, he said to Jairus, and he says to us, fear not, only believe. Tell your neighbor, say, fear not, only believe. Tell your other neighbor, say, fear not, only believe. Number four, you have to learn to limit your fellowship. Now, growing up in church, hearing my parents teach on this, hearing in youth group Aaron Wood teach on this, I know that next to tithing, people have a problem with this. But if you want to walk in victory, if you want to see God move, if you want to see prayers answered and miracles take place, you have to learn to limit your fellowship. Mark 5, 37, Jesus did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. There was the 12, but then among the 12, there was an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. When Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he took with him Peter, James, and John. And here on this occasion, he took with him Peter, James, and John. Now next to tithing or obedience or being a doer of the word of God, people resist 
what the New Testament says about fellowship. But you have to ask yourself, do you want to see answered prayer? Do you want to see miracles? Do you want to see the power of God? Or do you want to maintain some negative friendship or some negative relationship? Look at John 12, verse 42. At the same time, many even among the leaders, the religious leaders, believed in him. An example is Nicodemus. When did Nicodemus come to see Jesus? At night. He didn't want anyone to know. At the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. When you read in John's gospel about Jesus healing the man born blind and him testifying to the fact that a wonderful miracle had taken place and the religious leaders doubted it. So they then called for his parents to interview his parents and they were asking his parents. But the Bible tells us that the, the parents were afraid because the religious leaders had made it clear that anyone that believed in Jesus or talked about how wonderful he was or the miracles, they would be put out of the synagogue. They wouldn't be allowed to go to the house of God anymore. And so because it says in John 12, 43, 42, 43, because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. See, we, we like to hear kind and good and encouraging words from people. We, we like people to like us and to, to love us and to send us those friend requests on Facebook. But there's someone far more important we're to please. Paul says we're to live a life worthy of the Lord. And God's opinion matters more than any man or woman's opinion. And what God thinks matters more than what you or I think or what a negative person out there in the world thinks. So we're to love praise from God more than praise from men. Jesus said in John 5, 44, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain praise that comes from the only God? So to see miracles and to receive miracles, you've got to limit your fellowship. Number five, say what you want, not what you fear. Say what you desire not what you fear. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And this was a common cultural tradition. When there was a death or someone was near death, they would pay professional mourners to come. You read in the Bible about the King Herod, who was so evil and so wicked. He knew that when he died, no one would mourn his death. And so he ordered that when he died, people would be put to death. So there would at least be mourning for someone else, even if it wasn't for him. So this was a common cultural tradition. There were mourners. There were people even there, likely that they were there because this was a tradition perhaps paid to mourn. Jesus saw a commotion, people crying and wailing loudly. Further, this was a young girl about the age of 12, so tragic. So they were crying, they were wailing. Verse 39, he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Verse 40, but they laughed at him. They laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. They laughed at the Son of God. Now your mind might rebel against this, but you need to remember that Jesus has given us authority 
on his behalf. Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you authority, meaning right, privilege, authority, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We have to decide whether we're going to believe the world and do things the world's way or whether we're going to believe God and do things God's way. And if we actually believe what the Bible says, we'll see that Jesus has authorized us to do his works. John 14, beginning in verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You read what the Apostle Paul wrote about death. He, he wrote about the fact that when someone dies who is a believer, we don't mourn like the world. But it, it never ceases to amaze me how you have someone, maybe they're 90 years old. Well, well Pastor Austin, I just don't know why, why brother so-and-so had to die. He was 90. He was ready to go be with the Lord and to receive his reward. And we have to live the way the Bible says. Yes, we mourn, we're, we're sad. We're sad that they are no longer with us, but they're with the Lord, praise God. They've stepped into their reward and their inheritance. So Paul says, we do not grieve like the world grieves as those who have no hope. Last Sunday was Easter. We celebrated the resurrection, but, but every day in the life of a Christian is to be a resurrection day because we serve a living God. We have a living Savior, and we have victory over sin. We have victory over sickness, and yes, we even have victory over death. You go to John's Gospel and, and read what Jesus said to Mary and Martha. He said, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And he who believes in me will never die, referring to spiritual death. See, before someone's saved, they're spiritually dead. But when you're born again, you're alive. And this body, it may wear out. It may decay but the real you on the inside keeps on living. And you go to be with God, you keep on living. So we have to remember that. We have the victory. Tell your neighbor, say, we have the victory. Tell your neighbor, say, we have the victory even over death. So we ought to talk like it. We ought to act like it. And when there are those times, we ought to encourage one another like it. In the midst of all the unbelief and the wailing and the grief and the sorrow and the religion, Jesus spoke words of faith and he said what he wanted, not what he feared. He went in and said to them, why all, those, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And someone might make fun of this today and laugh at this today, but you read what Paul wrote. When someone is a believer and this physical body wears out, that we're not dead, we're alive with the Lord. And so Paul uses the same language that we may sleep, but we're with the Lord. Now here in this miracle in Mark 5, Jesus gives a command. But there's a day coming where he will give a command again. The Bible says there will be a trumpet blast. 
and Jesus will give a word of command. And those that are dead in Christ, they will rise to meet the Lord. And we who are still living, we will rise to meet the Lord in the air. So he was not distracted or set off course by what was going on. He simply spoke words of faith. This child is not dead, but asleep. So you might say, well, Austin, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, they're, they're not dead like those that don't know God. They're asleep. A day is coming. A word of command will be given, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are still alive will be raised to meet them in the air with the Lord. This child is not dead but asleep, and they, they laughed at him. And people will laugh, and they'll mock, and they'll make fun of, fun of something right up until the Lord does a miracle. Peter said, you know, maybe even as I rehearse the day that's coming, there might, because of this culture we live in, you might think that's nonsense. Peter said that in these days, people would scoff and they would make fun of and they would say, when is the Lord coming? And they would scoff and they would make fun as if he's never coming. It's going to be funny right up until that moment happens. And the Bible says that when the world sees him in the air, the world will mourn. The world will not be happy because they, they will know that it is not a good day for those that do not know God. The world will mourn. So people can mock and they can make fun right up until God does a miracle. To see miracles and to receive miracles, you have to say what you want, not what you fear. And number six, you got to put some people out of your life. You got to put some people out of the room. If you get the opportunity to go and pray for someone at the, the hospital. You, you might go in and the room might be, you know, and it was crazy the last year. See, even pastors couldn't go visit people in the hospital. Evil, 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 evil. But now as things become somewhat normal and somewhat better, get asked to go. Well, if the room is full of people that don't believe in God, you might nicely say, hey, can y'all go get a coffee or go, go get a refreshment while I pray with brother so-and-so or pray with sister so-and-so. There's great wisdom here. You got to put some people out of the room. Got to put some people out of your life. Verse 40, they laughed at him after he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Too often, people put wrong relations and wrong friends ahead of God and his word. And he can't walk with God. You can't walk in the power of God while fellowshipping with ungodly people, whether they call themselves Christian or not. James said in James 4 and verse 4, friendship with the world is hatred toward God. And he said, whoever chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. He went on to write, what fellowship has light with darkness? And what about ungodly people who call themselves Christians, you might say, Pastor Austin, you're talking about my, my friend. Well, your friend is hindering God's best in your life. And it doesn't mean that we don't love someone, that we're not for them. But when someone is toxic, you got to keep your distance. You know, sometimes with the, the young people, I'll give this example. You know, Aaron Wood might see on Facebook or he might see on Instagram a young person or a college-age student needs a talking to hey, what are you doing? 
Why are you going there? Why are you hanging out with those people? And they might say, well, Aaron, I'm just doing what Jesus did. I'm eating with sinners. You know, if you read the Gospels honestly, when Jesus went to people's home, like Zacchaeus' home, and ate with sinners, their lives changed for the better. So if people around you aren't getting saved and aren't serving the Lord, you're not doing what Jesus did. So stop it with all the lame excuses. So often, wrong friends, wrong relationships hinder people. And what did the Apostle Paul tell us about ungodly people who call themselves Christians? 1 Corinthians 5, 11, Now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral, or greedy, an idolater, or a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler, with such a man do not even eat. You know, not this year, but maybe two years ago, for my birthday, I got a text from a friend from the past. Hey, Austin, I'm in town. You want to go to lunch for your birthday? I didn't know what to say. I just didn't respond. And someone might say, Austin, that's so unloving and un uncaring. He knows where I am. Unless we're on family vacation or soon camping out with Samuel, I'm here every Sunday. So if someone wants to see me or talk to me, they can come on a Sunday or they can come on a Wednesday or they can stop by during the week. But Paul said, with such a person, do not even eat. We're to want to see them, people restored, but we have to watch ourselves so we're not led astray and led into sin and wrongdoing. Can't walk with God or in the power of God while fellowshipping with ungodly people, whether they call themselves Christian or not. And you'll, lend, you'll, you'll hinder yourself. You'll limit yourself if you hang out with people who are negative, Jesus put them all out. Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus put them all out. Tell your other neighbor, say, Jesus put them all out. So when you're believing God, when you want to see an answer, a breakthrough, you might have to be careful and limit your fellowship. You might have to distance yourself. You might have to put some people out of the room. Number seven, speak the command of faith. Mark 5, verse 41. He took her by the hand. This is so wonderful. This is so loving. This is so gentle. He took her by the hand, Talithakum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Not, not a long prayer, not many words. He, Jesus warned us in the Sermon on the Mount to not get into vain repetition. A simple command of faith, Talithakum, little girl, I say to you, get up. And again, you might say, Austin, I'm discouraged about brother so-and-so dying. I'm discouraged about sister so-and-so dying. There's coming a day, and it will be soon. The Lord will give a command, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are still alive, it is coming. We will rise to meet the Lord in the air with him. And Paul tells us, therefore, encourage one another with these words. We live in a sinful, fallen world. We live in a world where Satan is at work and wicked and evil men are at work. Where we live in a world where there is tragedy and difficulty. But in Jesus Christ, we have the victory even over death. And so you might say, Austin, isn't this sad? Isn't that sad? Isn't this situation sad? Isn't this tragic situation a terrible thing? 
There's coming a day when he again will give a command and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are living will be raised to meet the Lord in the air with them. And Paul tells us, encourage one another with these words. He spoke a command of faith. So when there is a need that is in your own life or someone comes to you with a need, don't fall into the trap of thinking you need to beg or negotiate with the devil. Don't, don't fall into the trap of thinking you have to say or speak or pray many words. Speak the command of faith. Jesus said in John 14, beginning in verse 13, I will do whatever, you, the word is atayo, demand. I will do whatever you demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant in my name so the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may, and again, he's dealing with making a demand of faith, not prayer. You may demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant anything in my name and I will do it. And so again, he confirms his word. And you might say, Austin, well, what if God doesn't? Or what if God doesn't do this? Or what if God doesn't do that? If we never step out in faith, we'll never know. If we don't give God the opportunity to move and to work and to answer, we'll never know. And so often we never find out because we don't venture out in faith. And we don't do that enough. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 19, also Matthew 18, 18, I'm going to read it out of Matthew 16, 19. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So Jesus said it. And when there's a need, speak the command of faith. When someone comes to you with a need, speak the command of faith. The, the long prayer time is for the morning when you're getting ready for the day. Then later in the day when there's a need, speak the command of faith. Number eight, let God work and give the Lord time to work. Don't, don't blow it with nervous energy. Give it time, wait, listen, wait for the miracle. Wait for God to back you, wait, to back you up. Wait, wait and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. A miracle, in this case, it's immediate. Healing by definition means recovery. And so there are times when we'll pray and something will happen instantly, but there are other times when we pray and healing has begun, but we, we hurt it, we kill it, we hinder it with our negative mouth. So you got to shut the negativity off. You got to get out of your life the negative and the negative discouraging people. And when we pray, wait, give God the opportunity to work. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and don't blow it with nervous energy. Mark 5, 42, immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Well, of course, he said, she's not dead, she's asleep. They laughed at him. They mocked him. And then he said to Lithacum, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she did. And they were completely astonished. What God has done in your life, he wants to do through your life. Now, why would Jesus not allow anyone to tell it? Mark 5, 43, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This was a miracle that took place toward the beginning of his ministry. Later at the end, 
It was another resurrection that happened publicly. The resurrection of Lazarus that inspired the religious leaders to go to work figuring out a way to have Jesus put to death. And the Bible says in John's gospel that they not only wanted to see Jesus put to death, they wanted to see Lazarus put to death too. Why? Because Lazarus was proof Jesus was the Messiah. He was proof, living, walking, breathing proof. Jesus, as we sang this morning, was the one who was, who is, and who is to come. And so they not only wanted Jesus put to death, they wanted to kill Lazarus too. Resurrection and the resurrection power of God is proof that Jesus and every new creation in Christ has more authority than Satan. We have victory even over death, and we have authority even over death. Over the years, we've had two wonderful men of God stand in this pulpit who in their ministry saw men and women raised from the dead. Bud Sickler and evangelist Teal Osborne. I, during the daily prayer sessions during the Holy Week revival, I told the story of how when I was just in junior high, Aaron and I visited Teal Osborne's offices in Tulsa, and his secretary showed us Teal and Daisy Osborne's prayer chapel. And it was so amazing going in that room because it was saturated with the presence of God. But there at the front, there was a little wood altar bench, and she told us the story, how in one of the African crusades, a family had brought a child to him that was dead, and he prayed, and God raised that child from the dead. And they brought that piece of wood home, and they used it to, to make a wooden altar so that when they prayed, they, they, they would remember that we serve a living God. We serve a living Savior. And he still saves today. He still heals today. And in him we have the victory, even over death. Now, I'm not saying that God will raise the dead through you or me. The point this morning is not to raise the dead. The point this morning is for all of us to venture out in faith and just see what God will do. The point for all of us is to venture out in love and to venture out in faith to just see what God will do. As T.L. Osborne told me, what God has done in your life, he now wants to do through your life. But we have to step out in faith. We have to give the Lord opportunities to work through us. One of the most important Bible verses is Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why don't we say this? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus told us to have faith in God. Jesus told us that according to our faith, it will be done unto us. Why don't we say, say I can do the works of Jesus. And what God has done in my life, he wants to do through my life. Jesus said if we have faith as a seed, nothing would be impossible for us. Say it again. Say, I can do all things through Christ. Jesus said that with God, all things are possible. He said everything is possible for him who believes. Say it again. Say, I can do the works of Jesus. Jesus said all things are possible with God. He said nothing is impossible with God. He said what is impossible with men is possible with God. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Jesus said, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Say it again. Say, I can do all things through Christ. And he said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. We, we need to stop being the ones to determine what God will do or what God won't do. And instead, we need to get beyond ourselves and our own reputation. We need to venture out in love, venture out in faith, and remember we serve a living God, a living Savior who has a living word. And we need to step out in faith and give God the opportunity to work. And if we will, I'm telling you, you will be amazed at what God does. Because when someone is lost and doesn't know him, he will do the most wonderful, amazing things to prove that Jesus is alive. Please bow your heads. You might be here today. And in the message today, we dealt with the situation in which a little girl was physically dead. But you could be here today, and maybe you're not physically dead because you're here, but you are spiritually dead. There's an emptiness inside of you. You go, you're here today, you, you live your life, you go from here to there, but you feel as if you're dead. A dead man walking. A dead woman walking. Friend, the reason is you are spiritually dead. When Adam sinned, sin entered into this world. And we are all born in spiritual death, separated from God. And so you might say, Austin, I, I'm dead. I, I, I don't feel alive. The only way to be alive is to give your life to Jesus Christ. The only way to know life to know true life is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. He who believes in me will never die. True life can only be found in Jesus Christ. And in him, we can have life in this life. We can know what it is to be alive and to really live, but that can only be found in Jesus Christ. You might be here today and say, Austin, that's me. I don't know the Lord. I'm dead inside, but I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I wanna be alive, I wanna live. I wanna have God living on the inside of me. I wanna live. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. Wherever you're seated, raise your hand. Raise it to where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I'm dead, but I want to live. And I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. You might also be here today and at one time you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you've not been living for God. You know in your heart you've been doing your own thing, living for self, living for yourself. Jesus told us that if we live for ourselves, we will lose our lives. But if we give our lives up for him, we will find true life, eternal life. I mentioned physical death, and I mentioned spiritual death. 
But there is another kind of death. There is the death of those that are lukewarm, that have drifted from God, that they know God, they know the things of God, but have not been walking with God. And to that kind of person, Paul writes in the New Testament, he says, awake thou that sleepest, and Christ will give thee light. And so you might say, Austin, at one time I walked an aisle, I, I prayed a prayer, I came into life, but I've been doing my own thing. And that has grown dim. To you, I say what Paul says, awake thou that sleepest, and Christ will give you light. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with the Lord. I want to leave today knowing that I'm awake in Him, that I have a new beginning and a fresh start. That's you wherever you're seated today. Raise your hand. Raise it to where I'll see it. I'll know you want me to pray with you. For the sake of any of those watching or listening online, say, Austin, pray with me. Repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Time's gone by. I've done my own thing. I've gone my own way and I have paid the price. But today, I give you my life. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, there'll be an address on the screen. You can go there, short form. We don't want anything from you. We just want to be a blessing. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to send you a Bible. Also, we'll send you a short book written by my father, our senior pastor called God's Very Own Child. It'll help you get started in living the Christian life. See, that we're alive in Christ. We have life in Christ. That's why we ought to have the joy of the Lord. That's why when we gather, we ought to worship Him enthusiastically because we serve a living God. We have a living Savior. His Word is living. And that's why you can pray His Word and confess His Word and speak His Word and it has great power. It has great authority. And when you pray His Word and speak His Word, circumstances change because it is a living Word. And so as you go out this week, if you'll ask the Lord, you'll say, Lord, give me opportunities this week to pray with people, to encourage people. Give me opportunities this week to tell them about Jesus. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they've never heard which in this culture today is more and more the case every day. Say, Lord, give me the opportunities this week to witness, to pray with people, to encourage people, and you'll be amazed. If you ask him to give you the opportunities, he will. And then don't be afraid, don't be bashful. Venture out in love, venture out in faith, and just see what God will do. Amen?